so I'm, I'm really proud that I stuck with art as long as I did. And I'm glad I did because if I showed myself in fifth grade, the art that I create now, then I would have been like, well, then you better win a freaking ribbon. There, there better be a ribbon. <laughs> where are the ribbons? I'd be asking where all the trophies and stuff are. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to episode eight of the Lilypad podcast. And for this episode, I interviewed artist Willow Hess. And this was just, just a delightful conversation. Willow is full of enthusiasm and energy and passion. And a lot of that is fueled by her love for art. And I think that really comes through in this conversation. As you'll see, this is one of the longest interviews I've done so far. And that was just because she had so many great things to say about her own journey as an artist, her challenges, her successes, the things that she loves most about art and how she motivates herself and stays enthusiastic and stays excited about what she does, even in the midst of challenges and obstacles. So I know you'll be inspired and motivated by this interview. And if you're an artist or if you're thinking about getting into art, this is definitely one of those conversations that I think will help fuel your enthusiasm. But even if you're not an artist, just some of the things that Willow says here about, you know, pushing yourself in moments of doubt and being your, your best cheerleader. <laughs> she doesn't use those exact words, but that's, you know, kind of how I felt about a lot of this conversation that in moments when we feel like, you know, we need to be the person who says, you can do this. You're amazing. You're incredible. That this conversation really does touch on that. And, and that's one of my favorite things about this interview. So I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Without further delay, here's Willow Hess. All right. Well, Willow Hess, welcome to the Lilypad podcast. It's nice to finally meet you. Well, thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be here. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Uh, well, my name's Willow, and uh, I'm from the uh, mountain state of West Virginia. Um, I love it here. Uh, currently, I'm a college student at Marshall. I'm a junior, and I'm working towards getting my degree in graphic design. I'm really excited about that. And I do, gosh, I don't even know how to define my own kind of artwork. <laughs> um, I, right now, I'm uh, diving right into digital art. Um, but I also do traditional art with colored pencils, which is a lot of fun. That's good. Those are two very different skills, working with colored pencils and working with digital art. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the new world, I guess you could say. How do, how do, do those two skills, do they complement one another? Because I know sometimes with digital art, you're often working with an iPad and then you know a, a tool that resembles a pencil. Um, mm -hmm. Those complementary skills, working with colored pencils and then working with digital? Um, it can be. Um, I think I took what I learned from colored pencils and the muscle memories that were in my hand from drawing with colored pencils for all those years, I think helped me get into digital art really quickly. It was essentially because the pen is like, you know, a regular pencil, although you are using different kinds of like, you know, watercolors or markers or things like that, it's odd that 
um, I can go back and, you know, once I make a mark, I can make it go away like really quickly without having to get out an eraser. So I, I feel like it's easier. Would it be, is it more fun? Mm, no, not really. Um, you know, I will always eventually go back to colored pencils. It's always fun to do that. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of aspects of, oh, I remember I used to do this, like if when I'm doing hair, um, oh, I need to do this how I did it when I did color pencils. And a lot of the applications that people use like on Procreate or um, Illustrator from Adobe, they have colored pencils, like digitalized colored pencils, uh, textures or uh, markings that you can use in the apps. So I feel like it's more of a sense of taking the color pencil from you know, physically drawing it and just having a different adaptation of it. I think there's definitely correlations to both of them. Now, for listeners who don't know, why don't you tell a little bit about what Procreate is and how you use that? Well, unfortunately, I have only used Procreate a few times. It's actually more difficult than the one I use on my MacBook. Not really for somebody who doesn't really do or work as much as on an iPad. Um, I use uh, the application sketchbook more often. I feel like it's easier to kind of control. For years before I had the application, I had it on my phone, uh, this app called Ibis Paint that was free and I didn't have a pen with it. So I had to draw with my finger for years, like in the middle of class, I'd be, well, I was doing schoolwork, stay in school kids, but I was, you know, drawing with my finger with it and practicing with that. And then when I got my MacBook for school, um, my dad was like, I feel like we should get a drawing thing while you're stuck in quarantine. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So we decided to go and get um, one of these drawing pads and we looked up applications to do it on. And unfortunately, Procreate doesn't make one for MacBooks. So we had to find a different alternative and I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll tweak it. I'll learn it. And I ended up finding Sketchbook, which ended up being really, I'm really comfortable with it. And within a few days I was, I don't want to say a pro, but I, I got pretty good at it and I really enjoyed working with it. And I thought it was a lot of fun. And um, there were times my mom had to tell me, stop, come eat lunch because I just kept drawing over and over with it. And I didn't realize how addicted I was to it. I still am to this day, but um, I really recommend it. It's a great application. Basically, it's like your typical kindergarten app that uh, people have for kids when they're coloring or drawing stuff, but it's more of a sense of, um, you know, accommodates artists better with, you know, line sculpting or uh, rendering or, you know, layers, gotta love layers you know, stuff like that. So I feel like it, I full on recommend it. It's a great app. I like that your, your Instagram bio describes you as a newly crowned digital artist. Yeah. I thought that was clever. Why did you choose that as a, as a, a description for yourself? Well, it was almost kind of like a boost for myself, kind of saying, all right, you're new to digital art, but that doesn't mean you're going to be bad at it. Because <laughs> there was this, a thought in the back of my head, what if this doesn't work at all? And you just spent $200 on a drawing pad that you're never going to use. And I've done that before. Um, I used to have a drawing pad that wasn't on the screen. It was like down on the desk and I had to keep looking up and looking down. And I never used it because I just, I was, I kept telling, I, I basically set myself up for failure and I just could never do it. So when it came to this one, I was like, listen, this is an expensive device and you were going to use it. So I decided, yeah, you're going to use it. And I feel like putting that in the description of my bio was more, you know, like saying, heck yeah, I'm a newly crowned digital artist. It's going to happen. Um, 
yeah so it really was just a confidence booster that happens a lot actually especially when artists are getting into new um materials that they're using um this year in college I took a sculpture class and I've never taken a sculpture class so that was kind of like whoa that's a sculpture class okay so I tried to bring that same energy that I put in my bio <laughs> earlier this year for the digital art into my uh classes uh for Marshall this year because otherwise the I like I said I would have just set myself up for failure I like that a lot the the, the naming of yourself the, the thing that you you are pursuing or that you want to be. Um, you know, if you listen to past episodes of my podcast, you know, I'm a runner, but when I first started, I would not have called myself a runner because to me, the runners were those people who were taking it very seriously. You know, they were, they were joining races, they were winning medals. And um, I noticed that like, the less I thought of myself as a runner, the less I put into it. But mm -hmm. once I started saying, no, I'm a runner, Mm -hmm. Then I really was running harder, running faster and putting more into it. And then I even joined some races and participated and became more serious about it. So that's great that you've, you've decided I'm, I'm giving myself that label because that will motivate me to continue to work on this skill. That, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Helps a lot. It really does. I wish it would help me in math class though. I don't think I like tell myself I'm a mathematician, but that, that didn't work. I'm still really bad at math. <laughs> That might also be true with some people in singing, you know, I'm a singer. Well, mm, no, you can, you, the sound can come out of your mouth. <laughs> you're necessarily going to be able to keep it tuned. But <laughs> with the skill, like, like digital art, you know, you already had a little bit of background in art and then you've decided, well, I'm pursuing this digital art and I'm going to name mm. myself a digital artist so I can work on it. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now you've, you've already sort of started uh, a small digital art business, right? Yeah, it's slowly coming into the, then again, I know nothing about business, but it's slowly coming into kind of like, a, at the moment, my business would be like an infant learning how to, you know, interact with clients, asking what they want, asking how can I help them maybe possibly with their business or help them with maybe a baby shower or something like that. And honestly, I find it quite fun that, and I find it funny that people you know, come to me. I mean, I want them to come to me and be like, Hey, I want you to draw me this. But at the same time, I'm like, really me? Okay. <laughs> and then uh, same thing with, you know, I draw the, and this goes for all artists. When you look at something that you've drawn, usually we're like pinpointing, okay, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed. I don't like how I did that. But then when other people who, you know, typically are artists, they're like, wow, that's awesome. And then us as artists are like, what, really? <laughs> really? You like that? Okay. Um, so I feel like with a business, it's people's preferences. You really gotta, you know, you might do something. I'm, I'm preparing myself for when like people, I do, they ask me to do something, I do it and then they don't like it. But not that I hate that. I feel like everybody should experience that. That way you can learn, oh, okay, here's what I should do the next time. Here's what I should do in the future. I feel like any artists right now if you feel like your artwork is sellable, get out there and sell it. Um, I didn't think I was gonna sell anything. I didn't think anybody would ask me to do artwork for them. And then here I am, y you just never know. I, I don't like artists when they're like, oh, my artwork's not good in it. You never know. There have been artworks where I've spent hours on and I'm like, this one, this is the one that's gonna sell. But then the one that actually sells is the one I spent five hours on. 
and it's like okay I spent 30 hours on this one you, you don't want to you don't want to see this one and they're like no I really like this one um so again it's, it's just people's preference you never never know what people are actually going to like so I feel like everybody should get out there if you feel like your artwork is sellable and start a business even if it's just a little one like mine um I've gone through what my issue is is I'm a graphic I'm working on getting a graphic designing degree and I'm an artist but I hate the logo that I designed for my for my company I'm sitting there going this is this is just sad why can't you design a better logo so I feel like before if if my company or business keeps growing I feel like I'm going to go through 30 logos and have to tell people hey this is my business again I just keep having to change the logo but yeah I it's businesses are small and honestly we really need to support small businesses especially now uh whether my business grows I mean I don't depend on my business right now um so I'm fortunate enough I don't have to do that so as of right now it's more like uh oh you want to buy an artwork sure but there are a lot of people who aren't like that and they do depend on their businesses right now. So we should probably try and I, I encourage everybody to try and accommodate them as much as they possibly can because small businesses really make, you know, a town, a city, stuff like that. I appreciate you say that because that's one of the purposes of me uh, taking my podcast in the direction that I did. Um, you know, I, I've called the series that I'm on now, you know, artists, authors, athletes, and entrepreneurs. And you know, I've already interviewed uh, a photographer who has her own photography business. That was episode four. Mm. And my hope, I mean, even though this is my podcast, my hope is that it brings attention to young artists like you, small businesses, uh, people who are either have either been in business for a while or are just starting out or just someone who has a message to share or something creative to share. And this maybe will give them an opportunity to do so. So uh, I, I appreciate the message you just said that if an artist has something that is shareable or saleable, mm -hmm. put it out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, that, and that requires a lot of vulnerability and a lot of, of personal exposure, you know, especially if you're passionate about what you do, because that's you in, mm -hmm. in that thing that you've created that you mm -hmm. are now opening up to criticism. Um, but it, it, I also appreciate that you said that you're waiting for that criticism because it gives you an opportunity for growth. It, you know, it, it gives you a chance to say, okay, next time I do this instead, or I'll do this better. So that, that's a good, a really good mindset. Mm -hmm. If you, I feel like if you don't get experiences like that, you're never going to know, oh, or like maybe down in the future. And it's been, a, maybe you never got that criticism. So then that criticism happens and you're not prepared to work with that criticism, you are offended and then you offend that person and then they never come back. So it's more of, I feel like it's, you know, that that's a necessity that should happen, especially with jobs. Um, my dad told me you should at least be fired at least once, not on purpose, but you know, it, it it's bound to happen at least once and that's experience. It happens. Um, and I feel like, you know, we need, especially as young people like me who are in college, we need as much experience as we possibly can get for jobs or things like that. Yeah, that's, that's, I like that your, your dad said that because especially, I mean, I, nobody wants to get fired for serious reasons, but you know, the kind of job in which they've said to you, we've got to let you go because you're just not good at this, 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 and this, mm -hmm. you know, and then you, instead of, I mean, obviously that's upsetting, but it still gives you an opportunity for growth. Like, okay, 
for my next job. Before I take my next job, I need to work on these things that I had a problem with at the other one. Right. So, <laughs> a really funny example of this, like, you know, American Idol, mm-hmm. when they have the really bad singers at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, and the question I always had was like, people in their life actually told them they were good singers. Yeah. And I know that some of them are on there for humor, you know, yeah. I know that, but there really are some that were convinced by friends and family members that they are amazing. And then they end up being terrible. And I'm embarrassed for those people. Mm. That's so my worst know. fear. <laughs> that is my worst fear is like, after all of this, now I don't brag. I'm good at art. I, I just think I am that, that birth, that boosts my confidence. If like 10 years from now, somebody goes, well, sorry, we lied to you. You actually suck. I would have been like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Could have said that earlier, like when I was 12 or something. No, I, I wonder that too, is, I mean, my parents have a band and my mom sings and I sing a little bit. And there are a lot of people who get on American Idol where me and my mom watch it and we're like, what, what did they, what? And I think uh, one of the judges, Simon, actually said it really perfectly. One of these girls, bless her heart, obviously tried, really wanted to go to Hollywood. And her, Simon, the parents like came in when they said no and was very upset. And Simon said it straight. He said, you guys are, the reason why she's going to be so unhappy is because you, you're telling her that she's such a good singer when she's not. You're feeding into her delusion. Now, do I want to sit down and tell a 12 year old, honey, you can't draw. You should give up your dreams. No, I don't want to do that. Um, I think when it comes to singing, if my child can't sing, my child can't sing. <laughs> they want to go to, I'd be like, no, you're not going to American Idol. Now, if they want to draw, and I think with singing too, you can always get better at that. But where those people start out, they're at the bottom. They haven't really trained or practiced or done anything. My dad tells me that I got good at art because, Willow, do you know how many times I had to tell you to go do your homework because you were drawing? Or I remember in school, I would get in trouble because my papers would be covered. Like I do the homework, but then like on the backs of the papers or on the sides, they couldn't read any of my answers because I would draw little doodles all over them. You know, I feel like if you have a passion, it's going to start out soon in life. And then it's just going to keep growing and growing. Um, I, I feel like with these people, I don't think that was their passion. I just think they just, again, like you said, wanted to get on TV or their parents fed into the delusion that they were good at singing. Now, if you have a child that really wants or somebody who really wants, or you are somebody who really wants to be really good at art or be really good at soccer or anything like that, you can always strive and work and work and work to do that. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, it's just going to be, oh, it's just, you know, a walk, you know, it's just a stroll down the road. It's not. Um, you got to climb over a mountain sometimes. And that's feel like, I feel like I'm having to do that right now with college with not having, I mean, I'm getting a graphic design degree, but I have not taken a graphic design class since last May because they want us to do sculpture and, uh, you know, clay and, um, ceramics and stuff like that. So right now I'm climbing over the mountain. I'm going to make it over that mountain, but I feel like enabled to really understand okay, I want to do this and to know I'm good at this. You really have to kind of expose yourself. Like you said, it's very vulnerable to sell your artwork. Uh, My friend Jessica would ask me, hey, do you want to go to the flea market in Cabell County and sell artwork? And I would get up at 6 a.m. and we would go because I'm like, you're doing this, you're going. 
I was nervous to see what people would say about my artwork, but at the same time, I'm like, I want this feedback. I want to know what people are going to say. Um, so I feel like everybody should do that. Now I'm more mad at the parents that are like, oh yeah, they're so good. They're so good. But in reality, they know they're not, but they are too scared to tell their child no. No, tell your child no, unless they look really passionate about it and they want to fix it. Maybe the child isn't very good at drawing, but they want to sign them up for drawing classes. Encourage that kind of, you know, passion if they still have it, but don't light it, you know, with lighter fluid and make it run around by itself. You know, you want to let the candle burn and eventually become a bonfire. You don't want it to set a blaze right then and there and run away. Um, if you, you know, encourage their desires and their passions and their hobbies or their skills, like my parents did, you know, they would like, well, you want to go to pottery place? Heck yeah, I want to go to pottery place. You know, that's always fun because they know I like painting and they know I like drawing. Do stuff like that. Don't just throw them. I mean, those poor parents in American Idol are just throwing their kids into the shark pond. I feel bad for that. But yeah, I feel like it's those poor kids. <laughs> I watch those poor kids all the time on American Idol. And I just sit there and I'm like, how do you not, oh my goodness, how do you not hear yourselves? But yeah, and I always wonder what, what they do afterwards. Mm -hmm. Do they, because some of them, I, I've seen a couple of them come back and they can sing again. And I feel like they should all do that because I do feel bad. Some of them actually really want to be there. And I hope that they didn't give up and they went and they like got trained, like actual singing training, which I feel like I would say to a lot of artists if they, you know, they're like, oh, I really love to draw. And the, the, their drawings aren't very, they're not, I was just sculpted I guess their skills haven't been they haven't been you know they didn't get in trouble for drawing on their homework and stuff like that not that they should but some really good things you said there it as a parent you know I'm a father of four daughters and it I can understand the the difficulty of being honest with your mm -hmm. child when they're not good at something even if they're not good at it yet mm -hmm. and signing signing them up for a class with someone who is an objective expert. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because then that takes the pressure off of the parent of being the one who says, sweetie, you're not good at this, yeah. but I can teach you how to get better. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's why it's good to sign up. If you have a, if you have a child who wants to play a sport, you mm -hmm. know, and you, you as a parent, you're not a football player or a soccer player or a basketball player, but you put them on a team with a coach and that coach can say, junior you're not ready for that yet yeah you know? but I'm your coach I'm going to teach you how to be ready for it yeah you know? or if junior's really bad the coach can be the one to say I can't put you on the team I'm sorry you're just not ready for the team yet and you know and I'm not trying to say that great that takes the pressure off the parent but mm -hmm. at least you're kind of handing that judgment over to an expert mm -hmm. you know what I mean and you never know them telling them that they're not good enough might spark them to even try and be better. Right. I, I have many friends that were told, oh, you know, uh, another player does it better than you. So then that fueled their fire to go and do better than them. And it was just a tennis match between the two. Is that a bad thing? No. Sometimes it can be fun to compete with yourself or con to compete with others to not necessarily win, but to maybe get up to where they are in artwork or in soccer or in softball. Um, I, I was on the swim team uh, in Hurricane for a few uh, years and it was fun. I really liked it. I was terrified at the beginning. 
me and my brother did not want to swim. Uh, my parents signed us up for swimming lessons because they wanted us to learn how to swim. Eventually, I love, I still love swimming and I loved a uh, swim team. Um, what had, what sparked that was, you know, my parents having a competition between me and my brother at swim practice who wouldn't cry. So whoever didn't cry won that day. And then we, whoever didn't cry got to pick where we went for lunch. And since I'm a sucker for McDonald's, I said, yeah, I'm going to win that. I'm not going to cry today. So I, I feel like you should just have fun with it. Not that you should. And like you said, uh, four daughters, oh my gosh, I'd be like, okay, listen, we're not going to try any new hobbies unless you're really good at it already. <laughs> we're not trying anything new unless you already have the talent that you're born with it. Otherwise, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. They're not allowed to go outside because I'm afraid they're going to pick up something and they're not going to be good at it. But yeah, I feel like in, you never, parents never, I'm, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I used to work at daycares and I've seen kids where they're like, I want to be an artist when I grow up. And I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> keep, keep going. And, you know, I encourage them because they're only five. Um, but, you know, you, nobody ever wants to crush people's dreams. That's, that's never a good thing. But parents always have the best intentions and sending them to a class or to a coach where they can get honest feedback, just like in a job interview or when you're running a business, getting honest feedback is honestly the best. So let me ask you a question. I, I ask all my guests some questions and sometimes they're tough ones and sometimes they're not so tough. What would you say has been your greatest challenge as an artist so far? Oh goodness. See, this is why I asked if I needed to bring pen and paper. I should have had like everything already written out. Greatest challenge. Probably creating new things. I feel like anybody as an artist has a comfort zone that we don't want to, I mean, like, I don't want to leave the house because we're in quarantine, right? As artists, we have a comfort zone. So mine was colored pencils. I wanted to opt out of colored pencils and do digital art. So I had to pick up a non-traditionally, you know, colored pencil and get on a digital thing and draw. I ended up making that my comfort zone. Now in college, I'm getting, I'm way out of my comfort zone with sculpting class and ceramics and sculpture, what sculpture, you know, I'm, I, I draw cartoons and they want me to build a sculpture. That's crazy. No, thank you. But I have to, cause it's my degree, you know? Um, but I feel like the greatest challenge would be to try to get out of that comfort zone, especially in, you know, when you're selling artwork or make having, making a business, you can have a comfort zone nobody's ever going to ask you to do anything in that comfort zone, probably. Now, if anybody asks me to build a sculpture, I'm just going to say no, because I can't, I can't do those, you know. Um, but yeah, every artist has a comfort zone that they, they, they should, even if it's like a little, because I mean, going from color pencil to digital art, I, I feel like that's kind of big, but not huge. Completely switching medias is never easy. But since they're both in the drawing category, it's not as big as going from drawing to, you know, making claymation little animatronic figures. I mean, goodness. So I feel like every, and not just in art, everything. Um, that's one of the reasons why I like art because you can, you know, people are like, well, art's not really a skill. Art's not really, well, yeah, it kind of is because you can always improve on art no matter how good you get. I mean, Leonardo da Vinci was fabulous 
but even him himself would say, no, I could, I could get better. And, and any artist could say that. So I feel like the greatest challenge would be to step, stepping out of the comfort zone and trying new things that aren't in the zone of comfort. Well, that was a weird sentence, <laughs> but, you know, jumping out and trying new things that aren't as easy to connect the dots between digital and um, just drawing, you know, if you're an artist who likes sculpting, try drawing. If you're an artist who likes to paint, maybe try sculpture. You know, you never know. I really tried in my sculpture class and, and um, my ceramics classes and I didn't think sculpture, well, that, that didn't work out. I tried really hard. Um, I got a B, it was fine, but it wasn't, you know, I thought as uh, fun as I made it in ceramics. Ceramics, I worked really hard and it ended up becoming fun after a couple of assignments. And I told myself, I'm gonna mold this clay and I'm gonna make a cup and it's gonna look great. And I don't care what anybody else says, <laughs> you know? So I feel like the comfort zone can be limiting yourself and putting yourself into a box when you can open the lid to that box and then just really explore. And you never know, um, if you get out of that comfort zone, you may find another comfort zone. Um, I added digital art into mine. You never know with all the different materials you could use. I think it was Albert Einstein who said a ship is always safe at the shore, but that's not what it was built for. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. And most of the time growth, like real sustaining growth occurs outside of the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. No, it's not to say that that continuing to work within your comfort zone isn't building on skills, but that's building on skills that are sort of like foundational that you've had for a long time. Whereas breaking out of the comfort zone is learning new skills, you know, that you add to, like you just said, you add to that comfort zone mm -hmm. as you break out of it. That, that's where growth is occurring. Yeah, there's a lot of really great artists that, that got even better because they weren't afraid to try something different and something new uh, and not just like, you know, even musical artists, when, when, mm. when bands or musicians or singers try something new for their next album, and instead we see growth there, we see them get better as a performer or as an artist because of that. So that's an excellent point. So then on the flip side of that, this might be a slightly easier question. Mm. What would you say have been, has been your greatest success as an artist so far? Um, sticking with art, you know, um, it's probably my greatest success. I did it for years in elementary school, but there's a lot of things that, you know, I think about it now got in my way and I'm like, how am I still drawing? Uh, I went to Scott Tay's elementary in, uh, Scott Tay in Scott Depot and I went there all the years and every year they would do a, a art contest for just, just for the kids. And, uh, I got excited for it every year. I'm like, okay, this year is the year. I don't care what anybody says. I am the best, not to brag, but you know, I'm trying to boost myself up here. It's been three years. I've never won this. This is happening. But what I found is that, you know, I would draw something and then other people would draw what I drew. So then it's like, well, now nobody's going to win because everybody's drawing what I'm drawing, you know? And then like the next year, I didn't win whatever I drew the next year. Well, that didn't win either. And then fifth grade, I thought I had it. I drew a butter beautiful butterfly, you know, in pastels. I was so excited. I thought this, I don't care if I get second, third, I don't care. I just want a ribbon on that thing. Nope, didn't happen. Um, so I thought, okay, 
I'm going to get into middle school and I'm going to take an art class and this is going to be great. I'm going to win so many awards. I think at one point I had my dresser back here. I think I cleared it off of all the softball trophies that I had for participation <laughs> and cleared it all off to get ready for all the ribbons I was going to win. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to win so many ribbons. Didn't win one, not one ribbon until I got into high school and it was my junior year of high school. And it was, uh, uh, I'll never forget it we had to do a skeleton assignment where we had to look at a picture of a skeleton and a still life of a skeleton that she had set up, take a picture of it and then draw that picture. And I didn't think it was very good because I don't like to draw skeletons. I don't do that. But I got out of my comfort zone and I said, okay, I'm going to draw the skeleton. And I won honorable mention, which I thought was weird because I didn't think I was going to win with that. And it's funny how I thought I was going to win with all of these in elementary school and all of these in middle school. And I didn't. And then the one that actually gets a ribbon, I didn't think was going to win anything at all. So I think that's just kind of proves that life is just kind of, it's just going to, it's going to go your way. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's going to go a way that you had no idea it was going to go. So with all that, all, all of the years of losing, I felt like I was the Leonardo DiCaprio of art not winning, not winning, not winning, and then finally winning, you know, is that my final ribbon? Who knows? I may go years without winning anything. I may never win anything, but I feel like uh, for me, staying with art is going to be fun for the future. I think about um, my grandmother has severe dementia. My mom's probably going to get that, and I'm probably going to get that, and I also have a huge fear of dying, but that's a completely different thing. Um, I want to be, you know, I want to be the cool great grandma or grandma where years after I'm gone, they find my artwork somewhere and, the, and then they sell it. And then they're like, then I'm in the history books or something like that. Of course, nobody wants to be forgotten, but I really don't want to be forgotten, especially with artwork. It's almost like I'm leaving a piece of me here, you know, maybe a hundred now, a oh, hundred years from now, somebody's going to find, I thought that was my phone a hundred years from now, somebody's going to find my portfolio and then sell them and then make millions. And that might help somebody, you know, sticking with art the way that I did, I didn't think that art would be my, you know, how should I say, like my goal, I guess, you know, for years, like, what did you write down in fifth grade? You wanted to be a veterinarian and then they're going to vet school. I'm not, <laughs> I'm nowhere near vet school, you know, um, and that happens a lot with life. You set a goal every year and then it changes. So I'm, I'm really proud that I stuck with art as long as I did. And I'm glad I did because if I showed myself in fifth grade, the art that I create now, then I would have been like, well, then you better win a freaking ribbon. There, <laughs> there better be a ribbon. <laughs> where are the ribbons? I'd be asking where all the trophies and stuff are. So I think, um, I think about a lot um, what my past self would think about the artwork that I do now. And that makes me proud that I stuck with it. You, you almost have a self-motivating mindset about mm -hmm. it, you know, a consistent, um, oh, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. No, really, I'm going to win. And even when you don't, next time you still said to yourself, I'm going to win. And you worked hard enough with the purpose to win. Mm -hmm. And I think if you continue that kind of work ethic, that kind of mindset. You know, you said to me, someday my artwork is going to be remembered. I'm mm. going to be that grandmother and great grandmother that after I pass on, they'll find my artwork and I'll be in the art history books. You mm -hmm. know, people will still be talking about me because I don't want to be forgotten. 
I mm. love that. I love that idea of leaving behind a legacy, even if it's mm. just a legacy of artwork. You know, I, some people, they toss that word legacy around, but, but it could be applied to different kinds of contexts. And that is a great way for, you know, your, your family members and your friends after you're gone to remember you, you've left something behind. I love that. Um, and that actually might kind of segue into the last, the final question that I'm gonna ask you. And this is the big one that I ask everybody. One of the re other reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because, you know, 2020 was a difficult year for everybody. And um, I'm just kind of looking for ways to motivate people to realize that they're, even in the midst of all these trials and challenges, there is a way that we can make a difference in the world. And so my question to you is, how do you feel you are making a difference in the world? Again, with the pen and paper, I should have written down the questions. <laughs> I feel like I make a little, it may be a little bit of difference, but as we learned from, this is a weird connection, but the B movie um, that they made in DreamWorks, they talk about, uh, she said, remember, no matter how big or small a bee's job, it means a lot. So I feel like if I make something for somebody, whether that's a new logo for their company or, you know, an artwork for their grandmother or um, a design for something, it may be small, it may be big, but I feel like it's significant to that person and to their business or to their personal life. Like I said earlier, it is a fear of being forgotten when I've done so many things. And I feel like everybody has that fear. Nobody wants to die and then, you know, oh, I did all that stuff and nobody remembers me. Nobody wants to do that. Um, but for me, especially with all this artwork that I've done, it's like, how could you forget me? I've done so much stuff. You know, my name's on that, on that piece of artwork. Um, so I feel like now I'm not really doing anything significant, like huge, but I feel like if, you know, as my journey goes along, I'm going to be very, I don't want to say popular because that just sounds really petty, but you know, I, I feel like I'm going to hopefully make, everybody wants to make a difference. The world is never going to be what everybody wants it to be. It's going to be the world. Um, and it's difficult. Um, so I feel like we should all try and strive to do something, whether that be with our talents or our personalities or just helping out and being decent human beings to try and to adapt to the community. That's what I'm trying to do right now is trying to get out to the community and, you know, hey, I do this. If you need, you know, a new logo or something, I can do this. Um, the Winfield De police, uh, police Department, the Winfield Fire Department, uh, one of my friends works there and he asked me to do a logo for them and I'm working on a logo for them now that's going to be on t-shirts. That's going to be on their, um, you know, fire trucks, their equipment. And for me, that's kind of, that's probably really significant because, you know, they're going to go and rescue people. And then people are going to see my logo and realize, oh, they're the fire department. You know, I know that symbol. So the symbols and the drawings that I create could represent other people. And I feel like that's pretty significant. Again, what, what is significant to me or, you know, not really changing anything, but you know, in the future, you never know what I could be doing. Uh, my dream job is to work for uh, like Pixar or Disney or uh, DreamWorks as a storyboard person. That's pretty significant to me 
but to other people that might not mean anything it's just like okay you're just working on a movie but when you look at the lineup of how to make a movie that's you know it's a small job but it's pretty significant so I feel like everybody should try to find something uh, whether they're young old or you know in college or whatever they should try to find something and try to strive to do something whether that be for a large group of people like a church or a school or an organization to like five people, like a friend group or family. I feel like everybody should strive to put in, you know, something that they can do to help the community or to, um, you know, achieve something. Um, my dad told me, or yeah, my dad, he said, uh, you don't want to go into high school and do nothing. You know, you don't want to not do basketball or do band or do something. You have to do something. And at first I was like, okay. But after doing marching band, I realized, yeah, if I didn't do marching band, high school would have really sucked because marching band, you know, my Saturdays were gone, but I'm glad they took away my Saturdays so we could go to do competitions. So that impacted me, which has me impacting others and telling other freshmen, hey, you guys should sign up and do something. So it's almost like a chain reaction. Everybody, if somebody does something that might, in, you know, I might draw something that might inspire other people to inspire other people. And I feel like anybody, you know, especially in art or sports or in a job wants to do that. You know, if you're the manager, you want to inspire these, you know, your other employees to do better or to work harder or to, you know, be themselves and, you know, help the company essentially, which would be in this case, the community. And marching bands are a really good example of what mm -hmm. you were just talking about, because I, I did marching band in, in both uh, junior high and high school. And you know that when... When you have the formation, if one person's missing, it's noticeable. Mm -hmm. Oh if yeah. One person, if one person doesn't go the right direction or stand in the right spot, it's noticeable, and that's what makes competitions so difficult because the judges are up in the, you know, the, the higher booth looking down, and they can really see when that oh, person's yeah. not where they're supposed to be, or they've gone the wrong direction. It's very noticeable. I think with your artwork, the point you're making is. You know, even though you feel like the things you do are small things, they are a part of a much bigger thing mm -hmm. that is making a difference. And Pixar films are a great example of that. I mean, those movies have literally changed lives. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, I, I know of people who have watched certain Pixar films, and it's not just an emotional thing. You don't just walk out, you know, crying or whatever because the movie was sad. You walk out feeling that way because it affected you, mm -hmm. impacted you, or connected to you in some way. And so if you worked for a company like that, even if you were just a storyboard artist, you were a piece of that bigger puzzle that created the larger artwork that did mm -hmm. impact people. So in a sense, you have contributed to, you know, changing the world in some way. Mm -hmm. okay. I always think about that scene in that B movie whenever I think, you know, because I think about it all the time. Is my job even worth it? My job's too small. It doesn't make any difference. And then again, I think back to what she said in the B movie. She said, okay, well, if this person stops working on the honey, then this person has to stop working. And then this person has to stop working. And then the honey never gets made. So I always think about that if I ever feel like my job is too significant or small. And especially in Hollywood, there's a lot of jobs where, you know, everybody's there to see the actors win an Oscar. But those actors wouldn't be there without the costume designers and the directors and the screenwriters and the cameramen. The cam the poor camera guys never get recognition for anything they do. So at, at this point in my life, I feel like a cameraman 
but that's not necessarily a bad thing because there would be no movie without the cameraman if there were no cameramen there would be no you wouldn't the you know Joaquin Phoenix would not have won that Oscar without the cameraman following him around and bees are another good example because you know there's a lot of news about how the honeybee population has seriously declined mm-hmm. and and some environmentalists even say look if honeybees go extinct we will all die oh yeah and that sounds extreme but they're such an important part of the ecosystem that their declining numbers are like a huge red alert that our Mm -hmm. environment is in trouble. And you think that's just one species among millions of insects. And there are other bee species that pollinate, but nearly all environmentalists say, no, you don't understand. The part they play, they Mm -hmm. may seem tiny to you, but it's such a big, an important part of the bigger picture that we're all doomed if they die off. Mm -hmm. So that's a great example. All right. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, joining this. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find more information about you and about your artwork? Um, well, I have a Facebook page, um, Hollow Salix Designs. Um, it should be linked up with my page as well. Um, and then I also have an Instagram, Hollow Salix Designs as well. Uh, we're currently working on a website, but since I'm so picky, I keep having to go through all the colors, <laughs> trying to pick out what colors. Um, but hopefully the website should be up around February of 2021. So soon you'll be able to, it'll be easier to find me. Um, but if you do have issues finding uh, Hollow Salix, just find me. Uh, it's Willow Hess on Facebook and uh, I can direct you to Hollow Salix. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. It's, it's nice to finally meet you. Uh, and of course, I know your mom as an English teacher. I'm also a Kanawha County English teacher and <laughs> had really great things to say about you and your artwork. So you can- Oh, thank I'm her. sure she did. <laughs> That's you what moms do, right? <laughs> yep. You definitely can thank her for this opportunity. So I appreciate it. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me. That was so nice. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a great day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lilypad podcast. For more information about our show and for notes about each episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Lilypad podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, give us a follow on Spotify, or if you listen on Apple podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and review. It really helps other people learn about this podcast. So once again, thanks for listening.